Hi, I'm K.S. Garner, and you're listening to the Solo Nerdbird Podcast. Today, I'll be detailing an episode-by-episode overview of the anime series The God of High School Season 1. I watched the show dubbed in English on HBO Max. The main protagonist is Mori Jin, a 17-year-old martial artist from Seoul, Korea. At the beginning of the story, he is invited to join a martial arts tournament called The God of High School, or GOH. This event, sponsored by a shady corporation, brings together people from high schools all over South Korea on a regional and then national level in order to select three representatives for the world tournament. As a prize, the winner gets his wish fulfilled by the hosting corporation, No Questions Asked. This intrigues Mori, and as he continues through the tournament, he meets many competitors, each with a different way of fighting. Martial arts aside, participants fight by using quote-unquote borrowed power, a mystical energy granted by supernatural entities, such as gods, demons, mythical creatures, etc. Hence the name borrowed power. During the opening rounds, he comes across two martial arts prodigies, full contact karate expert Dewi Han and a swordsman master Mira Yu. As the tournament's preliminary rounds finish and teams assemble, Plans for many different people within the organization and those pitted against them begin to make their moves to achieve their goals. The God of High School is a South Korean manhwa released as a webtoon written and illustrated by Young J. Pop. It has been serialized in Naval Corporation's webtoon platform Naver Webtoon since April 2011 with the individual chapters collected and published by image frame under their root label into one volume as of April 2020. Episode 1 Set Up Stand Up Criminals attempt to publicly humiliate a politician, Mujin Park, with slander and defamation of character, but a sudden dark cloud hovers over the private island they're all vacationing on, and then there's an unseen attack on all of them. Later, it's revealed to be a humongous imprint similar to the marking on the man's hand whom they attempted to frame. Mori Jin is a high schooler we meet who was woken up from a dream about his grandfather leaving him when he was a small boy. Fast forward, Mori presently has overslept on the day of the Seoul Regional Preliminaries for the God of High School Tournament. On his way there, an elderly woman is robbed. He chases the thief down on his bike. Mori then runs over a teenage girl who initially attacked him in retaliation for running her over and breaking her eyeglasses, but then joins him in chasing down a thief. The formidable pair nearly catch the thief, but then another teenager stops the man with a single punch to the face when he distractingly claimed victory. The trio introduce themselves to Mori as Dewi Han and Mira Yu. When it's time to enter the ring for the preliminaries, Mori, Dewi, and Mira are joined with a legion of other contestants. After the rules are explained, the match begins. Everyone is confused since there's no bracket or no one's paired up, but since they can all read each other's wristbands and gauge gauge their strength, a battle royale begins. When the amount of contestants begin to whittle down, a new contestant enters the ring, a man named Gang Monsok, a criminal who's deliberately handcuffed and can only use his feet to fight. Kang humiliates Mira by stealing her boken and looking up her skirt. Mori attempts to humiliate Kang as well, but only infuriates the bound man. Kang decides to duel Mori after he avoids getting hit by him and actually injures Kang's ankle. Episode 2, 
Renewal slash Seoul. Mujin infiltrates the Pentagon and introduces himself to the U.S. President. After the first battle royale, Mori, Mira, and Dewi all walk home together. Mira opposes this, but their houses are all in the same direction, so it can't be helped. Mori then asks the other two why they entered the God of High School tournament. He did to become physically stronger, Dewi wants money, and Mira wants to revive her family's dojo. Mori loses Mira's boken when he accidentally flings it over a bridge into the water below. First, Mira slaps Mori. Then, she calmly and quietly demands Mori leave her alone while she searches for her boken. She contemplates about her promise to her father about keeping the family's business and traditions alive. Then, Mori stubbornly comes to help fish out her boken. Mira has no objections and apologizes for assaulting Mori. Later, Dewi returns with a floodlight from work to brighten the water. Back at the arena, the second round of matches begin. This time, all of the contestants are paired up. Kang harasses Mori while he's sleeping, and Gamdo tries to warn him away from Mori, but Kang nearly kicks Gamdo's face in if Mori hadn't suddenly awakened and saved him. One by one, the fights continue on until it's Kang versus Gamdo. Before the match, Gamdo warned Kang to remove his restraints or he regretted. However, it should have been Gamdo who was worried. While Gamdo is a Tai Chi user, Kang utilized a northern style of Taekwondo that allowed dirty fighting. Now with his hands free, Kang nearly beats Gamdo to death and is attempting to rip his arms off if Gamdo doesn't beg for forgiveness. The crowd is uncomfortable with this style of fighting, but the administrators don't call the fight. Just then, Mori interferes and fights Kang while Gumdo leaves the ring and receives medical treatment. Mori is able to banish Kang from the ring, but before he can continue, the administrators finally intercept because Mori committed a gross violation by interfering with their fight. When Kang attempts to return to the ring, this time surrounded by a swirl of dark energy, Mujin arrives and puts them both down. Episode 3, Wisdom Slash Kingdom Mira faces against Maison, an American wrestling champion. Initially, Mira doesn't stand a chance against Maison's incredible strength with or without her broken. But then, Mira utilizes a strategy that allows her hands to attack and deal damage identical to a sword, finally slicing through Maison's iron-like exterior and winning the match. Mori's punishment for interfering with Gamdo's fight is to win a match against one of the commissioners in hand-to-hand -hand combat. Both Gamdo and Kang are disqualified from competing since neither are physically or psychologically capable to continue fighting. Now it's Davy's turn to compete against Song Zhou, who has studied every form of martial arts and can predict his opponent's moves. He uses his analysts to defeat his opponents offensively and defensively. When the match appears one-sided and Davy's about to lose, he conjures the strength to continue as he recalls his friend's excruciating battle with an incurable disease. If he can find the will to carry on, so will Dewi. His wish, if he wins the GOH, is to cure his friend's illness. Dewi manages to counter Song Jul's attacks and knock his tactics off balance, destroying him physically, spiritually, and his, long, his lifelong theories, ultimately winning the match. Now it's time for Mori to face his punishment. However, he's missing from the arena. The night before, Mujin offered him fruit to replenish his strength, but unbeknownst to Mori, the fruit was cursed. 
Mujin discovered Mori is the grandson of Taejin Jin, a legendary Taekwondo martial artist, and wanted to know if the boy was worth his salt. Mori proves that and more after he enters the ring, dashing to Commissioner Q the second the bell rang and knocked him flat off his feet. Although all that was required was a one-time knockdown, the humiliated Commissioner unleashes demonic energy within him and attacked Mori. Mujin and the other commissioners had to restrain Q before he inflicted any more damage. He was also appointed for three months pay. Episode 4, Marriage Slash Bonds A rich and famous man, Song Jin, proposes marriage to Mira. He wants to help her bring back her father's moon-like sword style to his former glory. Mira's wish was to revive the ancient technique from his ashes herself, but her backup plan was to find a strong, suitable husband that could help her. Her uncle attempted to keep the sword style alive, but he wasn't strong enough to handle wielding the technique and teaching it, burdening Mira with the task. Mori attempts to talk sense into Mira about getting married at this young age to a strange man who she doesn't love, but she doesn't want to listen to him. Neither does Dae Wee when he tries to recruit him to help talk sense into Mira. On her wedding day, Mori and Dae Wee crash the ceremony just in time to interrupt their vows. While Dae-Wee keeps Song-Jin at bay, Mori lectures Mira about giving up her dreams and taking her life into her own hands. It's not until she mistakenly hits her uncle in place of Mori that she finally regains her sense. When she calls off the wedding, Song-Jin attacks her. All he ever wanted was to possess Mira in the moonlight sword style for his own, but Mira easily defeated him using the sword style with her hands, similarly to when she fought Mason. Later, during Mira and Dewey's matchup, Mori misses the first half and runs into the arena with Dewey delivering real bloody blows into Mira, not just hitting her to knock her out. The ref interferes and forces Dewey to stop and calls the fight a knockout. Before that match, Dewey's friend, whom he needs his wish to help cure his disease, is on the brink of death. As someone who's known for keeping his composure, Dewey has now broken his dazed facade, pummeling anyone who gets in his way. Episode 5, Round Slash Hound The blood from Mira's injuries on his hands reminded Dewey about his friend's blood when he was spit up from his nauseating treatment, which then also made Dewey vomit. Mori warns Dewey he'll pay for intentionally hurting their friend, but Dewey states to Mori he never considered them friends. Dewi unleashes all of his powerful techniques onto Mori, causing intentional wounds and pain to his opponent. In a flashback, Dewi entered a contract with Mujin for the committee to use their nanotechnology treatment on his friend because he'll die if Dewi waits any longer. Mujin agrees only if Dewi wins his match against Mira and Mori. However, while in the same hospital recovering as Dewi's friend, Mira discovers he's died even with the advanced nanotechnology treatment. Mujin informs Dewey during his match against Mori about his friend's death. When Mori regains his footing, Dewey has all but given up fighting, simply blocking Mori's kicks or just accepting them. Then Mira enters the arena demanding Dewey's attention. She gives him the note left by his late friend. The note encourages Dewey to continue fighting even though his friend is gone, that he should now fight for himself. Rejuvenated from Mira and his late friend's encouragement, Dewi resumes his fight with Mori. This time, when they exchange blows, they aren't intentionally deadly. 
For a while, it's almost like a friendly until Mori unleashes his finisher and Dewi is done. This time, when Mori holds out a friendly hand to Dewi, he accepts his offer of friendship alongside Mira as the trio leave the arena together. Episode 6, Fear Slash 6 Nox, a mysterious organization that's bent on world domination, attempts to recruit Taijin Jin, but he refuses. When they attack him, he easily kills the men and destroys half of the forest in the process. For his insolence, the leader of Nox unleashes an incredible gigantic sword from the sky to pierce down onto Taijin. The rules have been changed so a third person can join a trio team for the Nationals. Mira wins that match to join her friends Mori and Dewey. However, she feels like a third wheel that, is only, that was only accepted because of the rule change but the tournament's announcer, Shim, bumps into Mira at the supermarket with his family and has a pep talk with her. Mira discovers the fanatic announcer is actually blind and her father's moonlight sword style took Shim's eyesight. But Shim also notices Mira hasn't revealed the South's ultimate power yet in her fights. He teaches her to evade gracefully, but when it's time to strike, she must give it all of her might. While in Mujin's office, Dewi informs him he continues to fight even though his original purpose no longer stands. Before he leaves, Dewi asks about the darker aura he's been feeling in the arena, particularly in Mujin and his commissioners. Mujin tells him it's Sheryok, the art, the act of borrowing powers from gods that Yuzha signs a contract with. Mujin warns Dewi his opponents in the nationals will be using Sheryok powers more often than they did in the preliminaries. While he's supposed to be training, Mori is accosted by an elderly man who helps Mori quickly heal from a strained ankle. The elderly man is actually a member of the Six. Mujin has called upon to assist with Nox, whom have infiltrated the God of High School tournament. When Shim left Mira with his family, he sent his wife and infant daughter away. Then. A Nox assassin he was aware hiding in plain sight approaches him. Later that evening, not only was Shim murdered by the assassin, but Judge Q, the same commissioner Mori fought, was also attacked. Episode 7 Anima Slash Force With the team matches underway, Mori loses his fight after he presses the incorrect pressure points he recently learned to increase the power of his attacks, stunning himself. Dewi and Mira win their matches in order for the team to stay in a competition. Their opposing team fought valiantly and even with the Sharyok, Mujin warned them about, but it wasn't enough against the Soul Team. Back at Judge Q's apartment, he isn't dead as expected. The assassin that killed Shim is named Drake. When he goes to finish Q, the commissioner unties his limiter, unleashing his Sharyok once again. Before he himself can kill Drake, Judge O interferes. Q's limiter informed O that Q may need assistance since they aren't allowed to remove them without permission, stripping him of, a nut of an additional three months pay. Soon a pair of Knox bishops, who were originally assigned to kill Q, come to aid Drake. Back at the arena, the next match is underway but quickly unravels into a deadly mess. Take Jagal quickly defeats Jukok Jean, the grandson of Jason Jean, one of the six with his Sharyok before Jukok could even unveil his. Take makes quick work of Jukok's teammate, publicly humiliating her by stomping on her face until Dewi jumps in to stop him. 
When the ref pushes them apart, Jugak manages to use his lightning bolt technique to no effect on Take, who truly finishes him off this time. Back at Q's apartment, he and O overwhelm the bishops with their shariokes. They then flee, leaving Drake behind. But when the commissioner's guards are down, Drake purposefully implodes, exploding the entire apartment into balls of flames. Mujin believes there's a mole amongst them and then receives intel Taijin has been apprehended by Knox, leaving behind a severed arm. Episode 8, Close Slash Friend Jason questions why Take hasn't been disqualified from the tournament since it seems he just wishes to wreak havoc on the competition then fight. Mujin answers he may be the quote-unquote key, but Jason believes there may be more to Mujin's motives. Because of his interference the day before, Daewi has been suspended, forcing Mori and Mira to win the next matchup. The friends then witness Ilpio's fighting skills against an opponent who resorts to Shariok in a fight. Ilpio and his team won the match, but Mori's distracted by the Tiger logo on the back of his jacket. It's the same as his grandfather's. After the match, Mori takes time from Mira and Daewi. Ilpio introduces himself with an impromptu fight against Mori. They intentionally don't hurt each other, just testing each other's skills. When Mori inquired about his jacket, Ilpio relays his life story about his father's death, his mother abandoning him, and then Taijin sharing Taekwondo secrets he and Ilpio's grandfather used when they were young. The jacket isn't old to Taijin. As they talk, Taek attempts to attack Mori to spite Ilpio. Afterwards, Mori vows to become stronger in the hopes his grandfather will return sooner. Q storms into Mujin's office demanding to know why Mujin allowed Shim's wife and daughter to be murdered. However, that's not the case. A replica was created of them and they were moved to a safe location after Shim was killed. After he recovers from his injuries, after he was restrained by Mujin, Q stripped of an additional three months pay totaling nine months. When he's looking for spare change, Daewi offers to cook him food if Q teaches him about shariokes. Similarly to Mori, Daewi wants to become stronger, but Mori's light years ahead of him and wants to be a dependable fighter alongside his friends. The day of Mori's birthday, he reflects on the day his grandfather left him and his promise to return once he was older. He was six then, he's now 17. Suddenly, Mira and Daewi come rushing in to surprise Mori with dinner. Unfortunately, the next day, Mori wakes up to a map and a photo of Taijin tied up with an arm missing. Back at the arena, Mujin allows his commissioners to remove their limiters. They may also kill any Nox members they come across and the mole who has revealed classified information about them. Between the two groups, war has officially been declared. Episode 9 Cursed slash cornered. Mira is forced to fight without the support of Daewi and Mori. Since Daewi is still suspended, if Mori doesn't arrive by the time of the second matchup, Soul Team will be forced to forfeit the tournament. Daewi asks Mira to draw out her fight so he can find Mori. When Mori arrives to the site where his grandfather is held captive, he discovers it's a trap to kill him. Although Mori survives the explosion, he must fight Anox Assassin's doppelgangers. Mori also sees Team Jeju's real members dead in the warehouse, meaning Mira's fighting fakes. 
when Mori disposes of the doppelgangers, he turns his sight onto the real person after increasing his strength by pressing the correct pressure points this time. Back at the arena, Dewi runs into an unconscious competitor. He's then attacked by another, a teammate of Take's. He defeats and even gets a kiss from her before Take walks in to stop any further fighting. Mira struggles in her matchup. Her opponent has possession of her stolen boken, which is actually a metal sword stored with godly power she didn't have the strength to awaken previously. As the fight ensues, Mira appears to be out and has lost this match, but before she's counted out, she receives a shariok from Lu Bu. With these new powers combined with her lifelong training of the Moonlight Sword style, she's able to easily defeat her opponent just in time for Mori's arrival. Dewi tends to Mira as they both watch Mori fight in his matchup. Dewi notes he's never seen Mori so angry. Mori also debuts his original Blue Dragon Taekwon styles. Episode 10, Oath Slash Meaning in a flashback, Ilpo has a, a desire to get stronger in his martial arts training to keep his promise to Taejin Jin. But then he witnesses Take purposefully break one of his friend's legs so she can no longer practice martial arts. Ilpo tries to beat an apology out of Take but is arrested instead. Ilpo's wish, if his team wins, is to repair his friend's legs so she can train with him again. When Song Ga loses her fight against Dewi, Ilpio's former teammate returns to tell him to fight for himself and not her. If he wishes to keep his promise, that's what he needs to fight for. His matchup between Mori is one-sided with Ilpio with the upper hand in the first half. He even coaches Mori about his failures and his techniques. However, Mori adapts from his failures using Mira's Moonlight Sword style and Dewi's Black Tortoise technique to combat and defend against Ilpio. Outside the arena, Mujin, his commissioners, and a member of the Six, So, defend the tournament against Nox when they unleash their magical sword once again, and this time, literal god upon them. However, after Mujin and his commissioners are able to hold them off long enough, So managed to dispel the magic that brought forth the sword and god. Back to the match between Mori and Ilpio, it appears Ilpio completed his promise to Taijin by teaching Mori a lesson he asked of him when they first met. But now the quote-unquote key Mujin, Nox, and the Six have been searching for has now awakened in Ilpio. Episode 11, Lei slash Key. The Nine Tails Guardian was appointed by the God of the Heavens to repel any crisis attempting to invade, but then God wanted to get rid of the Guardian since it was becoming too strong. It destroyed half of heaven and then retreated down to earth, where it lay dormant for centuries. Nox wished to awaken the Nine Tails Guardian to finally kill it once and for all. The Nine Tails Guardian chose to inhabit Ilpio's body, but the young martial artist managed to maintain control of his mind and body during his fight with Mori. Once again, adapting to his opponent's skills, Mori and Ilpio compete as stalemates until Mori utilizes something that's not an original technique nor a shario, ultimately defeating both the Ninetales Guardian and Ilpio. Jukok awakens from med his medically induced coma with shario powers in order to confront Take for a rematch. Jukok's 
definitely stronger this time around, but takes familiarity with his own powers and technical skills versus Jugak's novice with his new powers in a weak body. Take is able to steadily weaken Jugak with every piercing shark tooth attack. Before the rematch, Mori relays to Ilpio about his grandfather's disappearance. Ilpio advises Mori to rest and then train for his next matchup against Take. When Jugak attacks Take, Ilpio and his friends get caught in the crossfire. Ilpio evades capture, but the other two aren't so lucky. When Jugak attempts to absorb them, Take uses his shark technique to swallow him whole. Ilpio's friends are alive, but Take's attack severs limbs on either person. A furious Ilpio vows to kill Take after his injuries, after he injures more of his friends, ending their martial artist careers before they even started. With all the external and internal fighting alongside Nox's invasion, Mujin has officially called off the God of High School tournament. Episode 12, Fox slash God. Ilbio continues to beat Take unmercifully until Take unveils his new Shario power gifted to him by Nox. Only then is he able to overpower his longtime rival and the quote-unquote key everyone has been searching for appears before them once hidden inside of Ilpio. Mujin struggles with holding the god resembling structure back from destroying all of Seoul, but then the U.S. government launches nuclear missiles at Seoul and ends their alliance to protect the rest of the world. Mujin teleports the contestants outside to a safe, unknown place, but the group includes Take. He knows someone there has the key and is ready to kill everyone to find it. When Mujin's barrier breaks under the weight of the god structure, Jason teleports every living soul citizen to safety similar to Mujin with the exception of Nox. Jason then transforms all of the missiles to one structure that hammers into God aimed at him and Nox, all in the name of revenge for his grandson Jugok. Jason's efforts saved everyone but wasn't enough to kill Nox like he presumed. When all of the participants were suddenly teleported back to Seoul, Take managed to retrieve the key from Mori and consumed it. The formidable fighter then became an archangel determined on killing everyone. Episode 13, God slash God. Take immediately attacks Mira and Dewi, but they're no match for him. Dewi blocks a piercing attack against Mira and Mori before Mori transforms into what is known as the Monkey King. From his vantage point, Ujin can see his transformation and relates to everyone Mori doesn't need to borrow powers from a god because he is one. Mori in his god form overwhelms the arrogant Take to avenge his friends and all of the people he's hurt in his life. Mori takes down Take, but it isn't over. Take demands possession of Mori's powers. Once again, transforming into a monster-like creature other than his previously angelic one, Ilpio rejoins the fight and together with all of his friends, Mori is able to deliver the final blow that finally kills Take. Elsewhere, Take's former teammate, who was also teleported away from the arena, discovers and awakes Anya Kim, another member of Six, who who's the person able to grant the tournament's winners any wish they want. Mira will revive the Moonlight Sword style on her own, and Dewi has no need for a wish since Anya can't revive the dead. Although he wants his grandfather back, 
Mori wishes for everyone who was harmed by Take to heal completely, including replacing miss missing limbs. Three months later, Mori awakens after exhausting all of his strength. Mira and Dewi inform him that Ilpio is taxed as the key guardian. He must revive all of the missing fragments scattered throughout the world after Take died. The key is a part of a god's soul that has entered a human's body and can release the seal upon humans that disallow humanity to fight against the gods. According to Anya, in order for Mori to unlock his memories of the Monkey King, he must travel to his homeland. Mori assumes Dewi and Mira will join him, and with little to no hesitation, they do. Elsewhere, deep within a dungeon, Taijin Jin is heavily restrained, even with his missing arm. He can feel Mori's energy and knows he has become stronger and will continue to do so day by day. He also knows when the time comes, his grandson must fight against Nox and him as well. A day he's highly anticipating while in captivity. So there you have it, an episode by episode overview of the anime series The God of High School season one, dubbed in English on HBO Max. I really enjoyed the pacing of this show. It was silly and serious in all the right places. There wasn't any unnecessary filler and the viewer received just enough information to understand what was happening to follow along without any long-winded info dumps. Uh, for more information about the tournament and its participants, I recommend listeners to check out the webtoon, the original webtoon, written and uh, illustrated by Young J. Park. Uh, if they don't want to wait for season two. Again, I'm K.S. Garner, and you have been listening to the Solo Nerdbird Podcast. Thank you.